All right, and here in our class, we're going to finish the book of John today. We're in John chapter 21. John chapter 21. And starting at verse 7. We brought this up last week, just very quickly. Jesus is back. He's been resurrected. The disciples are out. Um, fishing and they look and they recognize it is Jesus uh, after a miraculous haul of fish the, he puts his clothes on him and, he, him and he jumps off Peter does and John does as well they get to the water they, they get finally back to the shore they see a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread uh, there was a movie two years ago uh, released around Easter called Risen that did a good job of that scene. And, and by the way, it, it did a good job of telling the story, frankly. If you can find it, I'm sure it's on Netflix or Prime, somewhere risen. The only thing I had against it was too many smiling, you know, because they're all perfect teeth smiling all the time. And I'm thinking, this is not a smiling moment. This is a thoughtful moment. This is a and I'm not, that, that was a director's issue. You get that a lot. They, they make them look more like modern folk. But the story was good, and they did really well on this. Jimon, uh, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish, this is John 21, 10, you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. <laughs> He'd forgotten about the net. It was full of large fish, uh, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Now that's a big deal, by the way. Um, if you're from a, uh, a fishing community, for example, in the northeast of Scotland, um, Bucky and Peter Heat are, are right together. Peter Head, it looks like. Peter Heat and Bucky. Uh, if you go there, they speak a, um, a language called Doric, which sounds like it should be Scottish, but it's not. So you can look up on YouTube if you'd like, and it's just uh, people from outside that little region don't really get it at all. You know, we'll just stand there and go, huh, okay, fair enough. But they send out their, they take the Lord's Supper at midnight uh, Saturday because they got to get out. You got to get out to the, the fishing fields. Um, and that's further and further as, as things get fished, you know, um, you, you begin to lower and so you got to go further. So it's a big deal. But as they go out, their women and children will, uh, behind will sing hymns over them as they're pulling out, and it's, it's still quite a you know, powerful scene there. What do these guys do when they get back home? They and the women, and the, they're on the shore fixing nets. Fixing nets, fix, that never ends, fixing nets. And so the net not being torn was amazing, and what did it do? It gave the disciples a chance to sit and eat and visit and focus their attention. It would be rather like if all the phones went away when you sat down to eat. Because now, and, and no football on TV. So I'm not talking about a good thing, because I like football. Uh, but that whole idea, that, that complete, oh yeah, because people on Thanksgiving will say, we're gonna eat now, can we turn the football off? No, we need, the Lions need to lose or it's not Thanksgiving. So whoever they're playing, they've gotta get whooped by. Uh, and so um, 
or, or people will say, I need to go back in to get something in the kitchen. They're going to look her up. These people are now focused because you don't have to fix in that. Yay. That's great stuff. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. All right, that's a really weird sentence. Well, other languages work different. It would be more accurate but more confusing if we translated it, how are you? Not how are you, but how are you here? How are you functioning? Even earlier, uh, other gospel accounts let us know that when Jesus came through the door, he even tells him, I'm not a, I'm not a ghost, I'm not a spirit. Spirit does not have flesh and bones like I do. Touch me. And then he eats with them. They still didn't get it. Don't think they're silly or stupid or slow. There's no way anybody would have gotten it. This was a first. This is a historical, groundbreaking first thing. And so staggering, how are you here and what are you doing? What happens next? That's all the sentence means. It's all wrapped in there. The Hebrews have a way, uh, and by the way, so do the Arabs, any Semitic language, of uh, wrapping pictures and ideas into an endless loop in one sentence. Uh, think one of the, the greatest, okay, here we go. Greatest example of this I, could, I can think of is when Moses asked God his name and he said, I am that I am. Most of us go, cool. No, you, you don't know the half of it. It means I am what I am, I am what I was, I will be what I was, and I was what I will be. It is, it is what, in science, we would call an eternal constant. We don't have eternal constants in science. We have prevailing constants, uh, but we don't have universal. We can always find an, a, an exception, but not God. There's no exception. I am the one who was, the one who will ever be, the one who I will be in future is the one I was in the past. I'm the great unchangeable eternal constant. And they would have gotten that. We don't hear it because we're not Semitic. Uh, do you have a mic today? You know? I'm the one who always is, exactly. Um, we're told in scripture, taking um, a, a language which everybody would have known from a sundial, in him there is no shadow of turning. He's not going to change through the day. Sadly, people misuse that. And they'll say, well, this is the way he, God wants us to worship. Don't change it. In God, there is no changing. And I'm going, the way you know how to worship got started in 1880. So you know, leave it out. Stop it. People, do, people have a real struggle with that. Oh, oh, have you ever been at a church that decided to go to small groups on a Sunday night? You're just trying to get out of church. No, people. Church ends after an hour. Small groups go on forever. They just, just uh, oh, you know, and, and, and you, there's all the prep. They're not doing less. They're doing more. Yet people get very upset. Well, we, we should have something at the building in case somebody comes by. Really? Then how will they ever learn? You know, it's kind of like feeding a cat. If you don't want it back, don't feed it. But they will have a little thing there that does a micro, uh, a, a, another version of Sunday morning. Now, 
if they'll say, this is the way that we, no, it's not the way we always did it. We started doing that during the Industrial Revolution when people started working on Sundays. Therefore, they could be providentially hindered, remember that Church of Christ phrase, from being able to be there. Many people uh, on Sunday night when they took the Lord's Supper had been providentially hindered by going to a ball game instead or because they had relatives in or because they overslept, which I don't consider providence, but to each their own, I guess. The point I'm trying to make is it changed way back then and now we change it again. Don't assume that God, that you're creating chaos in fact, I've had that written about me before when I've instituted a change in worship that God is not the author of chaos. I'm going, it's not chaotic. You've been to our church. There's no chaos there. They're still sitting down, basically. <laughs> you know, it's, again, God never changes. But the world always changes, and so do the universe. As I've said to you many times, if you don't like change, you pick the wrong universe. You just did. All right? God we worship God. We worship the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That we are fully devoted to. But I still struggle singing any song like Faith of Our Fathers. I know what it means. It's a legitimate song. I don't want to take your joy away. But I keep thinking of all the fathers that got it wrong through the years and killed people in the name of Jesus. And, did a, and I'm going, I, no, I want a faith of the Father. Right? I am that I am. And again, I am not free of error. And so I need the same grace that my fathers need. Now, Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, did the same with the fish. That's why verse 14 is in there. Now, this is the third time he appeared to the disciples after he's raised from the dead. Um, he's, they're explaining it has been three times, and that's probably why they're still confused. Because you would be. Because something else is happening. And I don't know if you notice what's happening. Or maybe I should say not happening. Jesus used to hang out with who? The disciples. He's not hanging out with them. He's showing up. There's a vignette, a little scene, and then he's away. Where is he going? We don't know. Then he's back. Then he's away. And so it's kind of like, you know, are you here now is really what they're asking well he's not done confusing them yet when the, and, and Albert I'm really I wish um, if we had the thing set up that'd be great I may have to have you come up here when they finished eating Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John do you love me more than these now that's a fascinating and terribly unfair question don't you think really now, I can ask that of Cammie. I can say, do you love me more than other, other men? She can ask, ask me, do I love her more than other women? And we all know the appropriate answer to this. But when you're hanging out with your buddies, and no, I'm not even going to do it that way, because that's too simple. What if God comes to me and goes, Patrick, son of Bill, do you love me more than any of these people? How... How do you answer that question? I'm not sure, but pretty sure I love you more than Doug. I'm kidding, Doug. I just saw you back there. Right? Sorry. Sorry. This, the, it does not help to be sitting where a light is hitting. Um, you, how do you answer this question? 
All right, so what does he respond? Peter says, yes, Lord. Well, he says yes. Peter would do that. You know I, that I love you. Was your hand going up? Okay, not yet, but it's going to go up, isn't it? Because it needs to go up. Because this isn't done. He says, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John. And by the way, why did I have to keep on saying Simon, John? Because there are a lot of Peters floating about the planet. Last names came into play because of the proliferation of people, population. Um, today, we would not call him son of John. What would we call him? Johnson. Exactly. Uh, the name Mead comes from the fact that we made honey wine, um, which, or honey beer, both of them are mead, and no one in the family, they weren't that particular. Uh, they, were, they were gifted. And, you know, alcoholism was our favorite indoor sport, it seems, when I go back through. <laughs> Thank you, Wayne. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, it, it, it's, um, I've had people say, well, it can also mean a farmer, and I'm going, no, nah, I know my family. Uh, it, it wasn't. You would have Fletcher. A Fletcher is somebody that, put the, that made arrows and put the flights on the arrows so that they would fly true. Carpenter, you see the names and how they, they work. So he, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? I get Peter being hurt. Do you get Peter being hurt? Now, I imagine the others are watching this very closely. And here I need to throw a red flag on the field. I like to do that when what I'm about to say is absolutely pure speculation. But I got one here. And that is, I'm wondering if the others are going, is he okay? Is Jesus okay? And then there were some others that were going, is he okay looking at Peter? Because remember, Peter did not acquit himself well at the, at the crucifixion. There had been a meeting that we're going to find out when we go through Luke between Jesus and Peter in private where we are not told anything of what happened. What we do know is that Peter was a changed man afterwards, full of grace and a desire to live for Jesus. So there had to be forgiveness and grace in that meeting, but we do not know. And I find it wonderful that we do not know because if, not if, when I fail God, I don't want him to pull me into a public meeting and write down the details, right? You want grace to cover us too. I want you to put yourself in this place. Now, to us, it looks like boom, boom, boom. This could have been over a couple of hours, right? The Jews don't, don't explain time like we do in a story. So this could have been a couple hours, or it could have been boom, boom, boom. You're sitting around watching. You, you may be thinking, did the crucifixion mess with Jesus? Because it would. It absolutely would. Were there people who are crucified that, survived it and were pulled down yeah yeah when the romans uh, changed their mind or a new guy came by yeah were they ever okay no and you wouldn't be would you and so there, it would have been completely if it happened red flag again that some people sitting around some of his disciples are going is he going to be okay others would have been looking at peter because they weren't at that meeting and wondering uh -oh. You even wonder if they're starting to scoot away because none of them, except for John, it seems, acquitted themselves well. 
So you can imagine some of them are going, mm, but this, right? Very uncomfortable moment. Now, here's where I'm going to go to, uh, well, not quite yet. Uh, he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. I love that. It's like Peter, come on. And Peter's looking at Jesus going, come on, you're God. You know this. Why are you asking? He says, feed my sheep. He stops there. We shouldn't stop there because there are more clues to follow. I have heard some, um, Dr. Lemons, I've heard so many sermons where they go into excruciating and to my mind, way too much complication about the different phraseologies of sheeps and lambs. I think he's trying to get Peter ready for what's coming. What do, what do you say? I, and again, I apologize. Uh, our sound people didn't arrange a mic. And in fact, our sound guy was very ill today. So don't touch anything upstairs. <laughs> uh, but what would you say to people about the different phrasing, sheep, lambs, that sort of thing? I, I think you're right. Now, the people listen online, by the way, I get emails and Facebook messages criticizing me for not having a mic on you. So I need to repeat what you say. He said there's a process. There was a process to Peter's denial of Christ, right? It escalated. And Jesus is giving him a process in. When you have a, if I were to die and you had a funeral, would the funeral be for me? This is a trick question. No. Who is the funeral for? It's for you. Right? This is why, although my wish is, and in fact, Cammie and I have already prepaid and made the arrangements, so don't step on it, is that uh, ashes be scattered, uh, we will be cremated, and I want my ashes just scattered. The Neptune Society, which we really like that, that company and we enjoy, we're, we really appreciate what we were able to do through them, um, have already sent me the box for me to be in. That's, that's a reminder every time you go in your closet, oh yeah. See ya soon, I guess. I noticed Cammie put her box in my closet too, and I'm going. Anyway, um, I didn't want a box. I said, just hand the plastic bag. Somebody, you know, as they drive home, they can pour it out for all I care. Uh, I, my dad wanted specific places for me to scatter his ashes, and I broke down and told my mom this this week. Because my mom's beginning to realize that she's out of prison for the first time in 62 years. She's a 15-year-old now, having, uh, at 82, having a ball. Took her, we walked their mall, which down there is two-thirds empty. We walk into a Dillard's, and she starts buying stuff. And I notice a lot of that looks like what she's already got, but I didn't stop her, because she, she can now. She can have fun with it. And she just, you know, anyway, a lot of fun. But I finally, I told her, Mom, when I went to scatter Dad's ashes, the first place I did... It was dead calm. I'm scattering. A wind comes up and blows him all over me. She starts laughing. I said, I get in my truck, and bits of him are falling into the truck. And I said, I, act, I will admit, I said out loud, Dad, can you make nothing easy? You have to complicate everything. Now i got to go pay 50 cents to vacuum my father out of the truck. Well, that's what I want. But you might decide, for example, to put an 80-foot-tall plinth 
with a picture of me on the top so that doves have a place to go to the bathroom. And underneath, put, there's Patrick, the founder of Love, Grace, and here, and we all, you can do what you jolly well want to because I'll be gone. Fair enough? Don't do that, though. That would be so wrong. If you don't know why it's wrong, I want you to go to Glasgow, Scotland with me one day. In George Square, there are at least a dozen of those plants. And people say, who is that up there? Nobody knows. Memory moves on. And then there's one with the Duke Wellington there on a horse, but it's kind of lower. And so he always has an orange construction cone on his head. Serious. For 40 years, they've been trying to stop that. The government even puts watch out there. Every morning, there's a new cone. Whoever's doing that's my hero. They don't know, how are you here? Are you here? And then he pulls this thing with Peter. We need a ceremony sometimes, don't we? We need a ceremony. Weddings don't need to be complicated, but we complicate them, don't we? Why? Process. I needed more of a process when I dropped my daughter off at university and drove away. I needed more of a process because it was an event. You know, you drive there and all of a sudden you're leaving. I was not happy at all. It, it tore me up. I needed a process when my son went to the Marine Corps. He just stepped outside our door one day, looked at me and said, I'll see you in the stands and drove because the stands when they graduate. And I, I actually fell against a wall, unable to move or breathe. I couldn't function. I needed the Marine Corps to come, play a few tunes, have some snacks, you know, and ease him away just a little. And that didn't, I needed a process. He is given a process here. But I think there's something else going on. Peter, your job's not to be out there fishing. Your job is to take what I've told you and take care of the believers. Get out there. What are you doing? Now, I am absolutely not a fan of John Piper and his books. John Piper is going to heaven. He is a very much a Calvinist in the worst possible ways to me. Uh, and, and Albert's agreeing with me there, Dr. Lemons. Um, I do not read his books anymore. I tried to, but I kept getting angry. And there was no need for me to go through life getting angry. If I want to be angry, I'll watch religious television, because that will do it too. Instead, um, but, rather I meant but, one of the books I did read, I thought he overstated his point, but it was still a valid point. It was still needed to be made. Um, and I'm going to tell the story wrong, because it's been years ago. But basically, he meets with a guy who lives by the ocean, and he spends every day collecting the shells. And he has these amazing collection of shells. And Piper's response to him was, is that what you're going to tell God on the day of judgment when he asks you, what did you do for Jesus? And you go, oh, look at all these nice shells. Well, that's harsh and judgmental. Uh, there's no question. And I, I don't think it was fair. That said... We do need to make sure whatever life we're living, we're using the gifts we are given to feed the sheep. Now, that'll look different for everybody. You know, with me, sometimes it's speaking here, law enforcement groups. It can be speaking in hospitals and universities, uh, all in science realms. I also 
help the believers a lot. By the way, I love Cammy so much and talk about her wherever I am. And she can tell you, no matter where we go, people will look at her and go, he talks about you all the time. It's so good to know you really exist. Because <laughs> people assume nobody, you know. Anyway, point being, there are, I resign from this work almost every day. I'm a reluctant servant. I, I'm, I'm sorry. If that burst any bubbles, you haven't been paying attention. I would rather just be working in a lab or just be playing guitar behind my favorite singers like Misha. I would rather not be seen um, and just do my thing. I'd rather write books, read books. I'd rather play with my grandsons under controlled and limited circumstances because they wear me out. I, uh, you know, yesterday, my 10-year-old said, it, it's a thousand degrees outside. And he goes, do you want to kick the ball back and forth? No. No. Um, not back or forth, actually. He said, do you, you want to come block me at the soccer net? No. Why not? You're going to hit me. You're going to kick things at me. <laughs> Shade. So, again, I am not, I'm not just not a big ball of talent and personhood and such. And yet, I never get around to actually turning in the letters of resignation. We were on a cruise once, and I uh, told Cammie I was going to do it. I emailed Ohio State University, and I said, you know, I know I'm supposed to be there in a couple months. Find somebody else. I think I'm done. It's been 17 years. They wrote back, oh, no. So I wrote back and said, you know, you're, you're still paying me what you paid me 15 years ago, and that's, we'll double it. I'm going, why did you do that earlier? So I told Cammy, I still hate doing it, but it pays well. <laughs> kind of like the honeymooners, Ralph Cramden. Um, the point being, and there is a point, if you love God, you're supposed to take what you've got and do something with it. You don't have to like it. You just have to be faithful. I got an amen from Dr. Lemons, those of you who are still upset. And he likes me, so hush. I think God asks me this question a lot. Patrick, are you in charge of your schedule? No. And who do I love? Them. Well, <laughs> okay, all right, I'll get up, I'll do. Cammy will tell you that I don't get out of bed like toast. Like, what can I do? No, no, it's getting out of bed in the morning is the hardest thing I have to do all day. <laughs> it's like, this is terrible. This is like eating a raw frog. But I assume I'm not done. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands, somebody else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Do you understand what has just happened there? He goes, first of all, there's so much in there. Your time is limited, isn't it? Every time a, a new pain hits me and I think, well, I'm older than I've ever been, I remind myself I'm also younger than I'll ever be. And especially when you hit those round numbers, 30, 40, 50, 60, and, and people go, oh, I'm getting, well, you're, you're younger than you'll ever be. 
So what are you going to do with the time you've got? It was Jesus who said, work for the night is coming. You've got to work now. You've got to do it now. Um, you are going to get older. You are going to lose control of what you eat and where you go and what you wear. Isn't that sad? But we all know it, don't we? We always act like we're the exception. You're not the exception. But he also shows him by this, by the way he is going to die. Now, here is the story. Peter did not found the church, period. And he did not found the congregation in Rome, period. We have history abundant that the only time Peter ever was in Rome was when he was taken as a prisoner and then killed there. It is pretty good. It doesn't rise to the level of history, but man, it's really close, that he was crucified there. A little bit less than that, we're not absolutely certain, but the early church started a story within about 120 years that Peter said he did not deserve to be crucified um, like his master and that he asked to be crucified upside down. Maybe. And again, it's a lot better than just a story, but it's not quite history. But when you think about it, doesn't it match with this, whether upside or downside? And some said it was on a, a cross. Um, that didn't explain anything, did it? All right, most of us think of a cross like this, right? Those of you listening online should have been here. You could have seen it. Um, the others were crucified on a big X. It's according to what they had. Please remember... Romans crucified a lot before the fall of Jerusalem. Uh, Titus was, uh, the, the general Titus, um, the son of the emperor, had already butchered a lot of people and took over most of Jerusalem, but not the, not the citadel. There's a tower there and a couple of other places. Romans were crucifying 500 people a day. The hammers and the screaming never stopped. So they weren't all uniform pretty things. They had to be any wood that they could put into place that would hold you. Uh, by the way, all of those were, were men. Uh, the younger men were sold as slaves. The younger women very often were raped until they died. That was Jerusalem and the fall, and it took place over a two-year period. It was horrific. And I, and I will not go into any more detail, because believe me, those aren't the worst details of what the Romans did. This was the butchery. Somewhere in this time, Peter was crucified in Rome or around Rome. Um, so there's a whole lot in these verses, isn't there? It really is. By the way, St. Andrew was also, uh, the Apostle Andrew, was also killed on a cross like that, that X. However, that shows up quite frequently in national flags, like the flag of Scotland is the St. Andrew's cross. It is also part of the Union Jack. It's part of many countries, frankly. They will use St. Andrew's Cross because, um, no, St. Andrew was never in Scotland or these other countries, but they claimed that his bones were. They divvied up his bones and took him to different countries. So he's the uh, patron saint of a lot of countries. You didn't even need to know that. Let's move on. I have a plane to catch. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Uh, again, Maybe Luke, maybe Lazarus. 
This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? So maybe John, some say. Regardless, Peter saw him and he said, Lord, what about him? I mean, that's a, that's a fair question. Whenever Jesus looks at you and goes, you're going to have a really bad time of it, buddy. And then you're going to die. He's going, well, why are you looking at me? What about that guy? Fair question. Jesus answered, if I wanted him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you must follow me. This is amazing. The humanity in this chapter is just astounding. And it's amazing. We read it so poorly. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers. Now, why would a rumor spread? Because at this stage, I think everybody was afraid to ask Jesus a question. If I want him to remain alive. Because of this, a rumor was spread among the disciples that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Now think of that. Apply that in your life. Well, how come he has a wife that loves him and cares for him and kisses him on the head every day? And I don't have that. What is it to you what God decides? Well, why does that person win the lottery and I don't? What is that to you? I've given you, remember the article I did for eBlast? Those of you that read it, there'll be a pop quiz, pull out your paper and a pencil now, number from one to 10. It, do you remember that article? It's what was in your hand. God's not interested in what he didn't give you. He's saying you have a limited amount of time to use what you've got. Moses had a stick. 80 year old guy with a stick, fully qualified to overthrow an empire, don't you think? And it was, it, we don't even know if it was a pointy stick. Might have been non-pointy, therefore not usable as a weapon. And besides, no, no harshness at all. 80 years old back then was a lot older than 80 years old now. He's not going to be able to club you with this like, you're going to see it coming. God, God just says, this is, this is the disciple who testifies to these things, who wrote them down. We know his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. I've talked to you before that you, you, we tend to, to read back into Scripture, and what you've got to do is get in Scripture and read it forward. If you don't understand that, there's a wonderful book, Misinterpreting Scripture Through Western Eyes, which you don't have to be a theologian. Uh, misinterpreting Scripture Through um, Western Eyes is, is just a really, really good primer Here's an example of doing it the wrong way. When I was a boy, somebody looked up, uh, had to have been Encyclopedia Britannica, there was no internet, um, how much paper was produced every day in the world. And all the tons in the rooms, they went through all these facts and figures, and they said, even that is not enough to write down everything Jesus did. And I'm going, it probably is. He's talking about when they had paper. They didn't have that much paper. In fact, you used paper again. You wrote another story in between the lines, or you turned it this way and wrote crossways on it. Sometimes to read a manuscript, you've got to get down past all the erasures and the copy on top of the copy on top of the copy. Because you didn't have much paper. They kept using stuff. And then, if it was paper, it tended to rot because it had acid in it. Um, even up to, like, uh, 1970s, if you have paperbacks from the 1970s, they're yellowish, aren't they? Right? Now, think about papyrus. 
So vellum and copper, things like that, super expensive. But those, those have held together better. But even them, not the copper. Vellum, written this way, written this way. Written. It is, it just amazed me. People would say, they've had the Dead Sea Scrolls for 40 years and we've not even... People, do you know how hard this is? It is insanely hard. So this, having this book at all is a miracle. Frankly, it is. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Lemons, because I had run past that and I, I was guilty of not bringing it up. Um, Dr. Lemons says one of the most amazing things about that last paragraph is says, Jesus says, until I return. Now, had he been process getting them ready? Yeah, died, walked in a door. Away, walked in a door. Away, well, we've got to eat, let's escape. They get out of Jerusalem, they go back to fishing. He shows up on the shore. He's getting them used to the concept of, you can trust me when I say I'm coming back, but you don't get a hold on to me now. As he said to Mary, let me go. I've not yet ascended to my father. I got to quit. You're tired of listening? It's wonderful how that all comes together. Uh, next, our next, by the way, we're going to keep doing Jesus stories. We've done Mark, Matthew, and John. Can anybody guess why, what's going to happen next? Luke, you're so smart. And then when we do Luke, we might run to second Luke and do Acts. All right? But that said, go away. And as the song we opened with today says, I'll fly away.